What matters most to us in times of consequence? Is it wealth? Is it prestige and power? Is it likes or favorites? To me, in my life, what I hope to center is that friendship, family, empathy, compassion, quirkiness, humor, and hope will win out even amidst the fray of this transient and turbulent life. My name is Rob Lee. I'm a pastor, a public theologian, and author working at the intersection of faith and public life. I want this podcast to be a place where I interview those people who are exemplifying what it means to exist with complete abandon in this life. I want to know more about how they view themselves, their craft, and the world in which they live so that we all can imitate them. Together, we can reteach the world its loveliness. I hope you'll join me. Oh, thank you for being my friend. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. If you threw a party and invited everyone you knew, you would see the biggest gift would be for me. And the card attached would say, thank you for being a friend. This is Rob Lee. Welcome to Beloved Journal Season 2. We're kind of redoing the podcast, hoping it looks a little better, uh, more streamlined, and uh, more amazing for you all. Uh, That's always my goal. Uh, But nonetheless, I'm excited to have you here today, and I'm grateful you joined us for this episode. Uh, We have a great season coming up with some amazing guests that I can't wait to share with you. Please be sure to check out our Instagram and Twitter pages where we post ahead of time who's coming on the show, and we're excited to share those people with you so that you can get excited too. Um, I am equally excited today to have on the show uh, Ryan Farley. Ryan is the owner and operator of an autograph service called Signaturist Inc. Now, this is not the normal type of show that I normally do, but but I really I love autographs. In fact, when I give out bios uh, to people so that they can read them in public or put them on their websites, in my little hobby, you have to list something that you do. For me, it's always been that I collect autographs. I do. I love collecting autographs. Uh, Ryan is one of the principal people in the autograph collecting world that you look at and you say, oh my gosh, he's got some amazing pieces in his collection right now. Just looking at his website, he has Victor Hugo, um, a handwritten draft of Les Miserables. He's got Walt Disney, uh, which is a very rare signature in the autograph collecting world. He's got Steve Jobs, Theodore Roosevelt, uh, a fabric uh, from Amelia Earnhardt that was flown um, which is just, I mean, how do you get this stuff? It's so incredible. It's so incredible, really. Um, I'll be sure to link to his website. Be prepared. Some of this stuff is not um, inexpensive. It can be quite expensive to collect autographs, um, but it's worth it nonetheless. In fact, full disclosure, I have collected uh, with Ryan. I was able to get a Florence Nightingale piece uh, that was for my mom, who is a nurse, and my mom absolutely loves it. Uh, So well worth my time and effort, and I'm thankful to Ryan for that. That's actually how we first met. Anyway, I'm grateful that he's on the podcast today to talk about autographs. I think there's more to this than just autographs, as you'll see. 
and, and that's why I'm so excited to share this podcast. Anyway, let's listen in. Thanks. Uh, Ryan Farley, thank you so much uh, for coming on Beloved Journal. I'm really happy to be here and super excited to talk to you. So full disclosure from my audience, I am a customer of Ryan's. I, I actually bought my uh, mom a Florence Nightingale piece that she adores. Um, so we'll talk more about how to get in touch with Ryan later in the show. If you see something uh, maybe on his website later on that you want to uh, purchase, be sure to tell you tell him you got it from Beloved Journal. Uh, all that's to say is tell us about your company, Ryan, Signaturist Inc. How did it get started? Um, how did you get started with the idea that maybe you could sell autographs for a living? I mean, you've got to make a living doing something and why not sell autographs? Yeah, so it's it's interesting. Uh, I would say about 10 years ago is really when I started selling autographs. Uh, we started with uh, Hillary Clinton. This was long before her run for presidency. Um, she had books out and you could buy them for about $50 and then resell them for like $250. Um, and that was kind of the genius like of the business when we started was finding those those deals uh, and then flipping. Um, and there, you know, there's a lot built into the value of autographs and creating value for autographs. A lot of that is within the authentication and things like that. Um, so it was a lot of learning. And um, I would highly recommend to anybody looking to get started in the hobby. There are great books out there, several by Charles Hamilton. Um, and those really help shape authentication. I know authenticators today even still use them. Um, and if you're looking to get into autographs too, one thing I would highly recommend is use authentication. So many people uh, go out there and buy autographs and uh, I see it so often they get burnt. The only way to get rid of all your investment in autographs is to buy a fake. Um, and one of the best ways to avoid that is to use authentication. So uh, you know, I always kind of stress to my buyers and it's why we use third-party authentication as well. You know, we want to make sure we're giving people sort of an, an investment or, you know, an, a collectible that's authentic, um, because if you don't, you, you know, you, you might just end up burning you know, quite a bit of money on it. And that's no fun for anybody that takes the fun out of the hobby. Um, so, yeah. Um, but back to yeah, back to how I got involved. Yeah, really started when I was a kid. And it's just been a really um, a really long grind of like learning the hobby and um, building clients like yourself and, you know, finding how to connect to people, finding how to advertise correctly. There's so many facets to it. I mean, running a business is such a, a complicated thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just been a huge, huge learning experience. So, so Ryan, you know, you said you started this with your kid when you were a kid and, yep. and with all due respect, cause I get this all the time. I'm relatively young too you're still very much a kid i mean you're 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 young but you've got this successful business that works with these authentication services that create these this, and you've got i mean i mean just uh, just to advertise right now you've got a victor hugo uh thing i saw on there from les miserables i mean and you've got some incredible stuff uh john hancock uh all these people i mean the list i mean if you if, if there's a figure in history you've probably had their autograph in your collection uh, to sell at one time or another. I mean, I, yeah, I guess I'm cur yeah. curious, do people like look down on you and say, oh gosh, he's just a kid, you know, he, he, what does he know? Or, I mean, how does, how does that work out for you? I mean, again, you're young, uh, you've got passion, that's great. But I just wonder about the mechanics of all that. I mean, do people even know you're such a young guy? Yeah, I think it, it's only happened recently that I started going out and meeting people in person. And, but I think I've always sold like under my name. And like, if you ever looked it up, I'm sure people found, even when I was really starting out like a 16 year old, you know, kids Instagram. Uh, and I'm sure that might've been cause for concern. 
but luckily a lot of my transactions like have been online and um yeah i just never let the fact that i was really young kind of get in the way of chasing what i wanted i think that's like a really important thing is like if you think you can do something like the, you know you're going to come up with barriers to entry for yourself i think the important thing is sort of pushing past that and you know getting after it but yeah certainly when i meet people i get it all the time that it's like oh so you know is this your dad's business um you know things like that and um yeah it, it doesn't bother me i understand you know it's hard to uh it's hard to imagine you know someone my age doing this but you know i go to i, I go to seton hall here in new jersey uh which i love it's uh it, you know it's a catholic university and i think uh you know faith is really important and the teachings that they kind of give you there i mean it's just such a such a great great place uh, you know i love seton hall and they've certainly helped shape you know my business and they've been supportive like uh, you know, of all the places I can think that have been like supportive of my, you know, passion as a young, a young guy, Seton Hall certainly like gave me a lot of the tools to like go out there and succeed and help like upgrade the business uh, and upgrade my mindset. So I, yeah, I think you, you look for support where you can. Um, and yeah, Seton Hall for me was one of those places, but yeah, you know, I think being a young guy is, um, you could be, view it as difficult and uh, certainly, you know, I've had many times where I've had people ask me, like, can you coin this item, which means like, you know, can you write your name down on a piece of paper and prove you actually like have it in your inventory? Because it's it's hard for people to believe that, you know, we ha we have these items and that's really just being young or run by, uh, you know, a 22 year old. But yeah, I like I said, never let that get in the way. And I, yeah, I think if people if you want to succeed, like get out there and succeed, like don't put up the roadblocks for yourself to you know, say I'm, I'm far too young to do this or anything like that. Like you'll figure out a way, uh, you know, I think, uh, and in general, like look at yourself, you know, I, one of the things I love about you, Rob too, is you're so good at highlighting like the, the strengths of a person. And, uh, even when you first reached out to me, uh, I'll never forget you, you're like, you know, love what you're doing. And, you know, so just, yeah, I think young people can get out there and succeed. It's just a matter of like having the right mindset. I think like when I think of people who are, you know, young like us, um, you know, obviously you're, you know, a couple years older than me, but not that far along. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think like, you know, people can be successful at a young age. It's not impossible. Yeah. You're right about, I mean, you're right that people can be successful. One of the things that fascinates me about um, some of the stuff on your website, one of, I'm actually got it pulled up on the other screen right here. You've got, yeah. I mean, and, and this is one of the weirder, I would say weird. I don't want to say weird. That's not the right word. The more peculiar pieces that you have in your mm -hmm. collection, the, the, the Robert F. Kennedy hospital bracelet um, from the yeah. night of his assassination. Now, now that I want to kind of tie this into something else that's going on. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard about Harlan Crow, the, the, the guy who's been propping up Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. He's been in the news with having copies of like Mein right. Kampf signed by Hitler. And certainly there are two very different things, Robert F. Kennedy's uh, hospital bracelet and, 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 and Mein Kampf being signed by, by the Fuhrer. Um, they're, they're very yeah. different realities, right? But, but they all kind of, they kind of fall into that category of like, what do you do with this? What do you do with this piece of, uh, it is history granted, but it's it's got some some darkness with it. I mean, it's there. There's not, it's not as easily to sell as say a a, a piece of, of of another president or or you know someone who ran for president. I mean, how do you how do you kind of reconcile all those dark realities of a person? Or even you know you've had pieces for sale 
um, of my collateral ancestor, Robert E. Lee. We've talked about those before. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we've talked about selling mine or, or, you know, do what to do. How do you, how do you do that? How do you, how do you work through that in your own head? Yeah, it's, it's difficult. And I think it comes down to everybody has their own morals. Um, but I think it also kind of ties into, you know, something that you're involved with, which is like the statues of, you know, some of these Confederate generals and what, what do you do with those now? You know, I think it, where autographs kind of differ from like a statue is a lot of people aren't collecting autographs in terms of I'm trying to like glorify, at least I don't think so. I'm trying to glorify like this Confederate general. A lot of times, like the letters we sell from like, we've sold a couple letters from uh, Confederates, but for example, Jefferson Davis, who was the president of the Confederacy. But if you read the letter, the content is, you know, really defines his view of what the war was about. He talks about, you know, the sovereignty of the states. Um, and so, yeah, I think for us, when we're selling like pieces like that, and I, I will say like, I don't sell any Nazi memorabilia. Um, and, and I, like I said, I think it really comes down to like where, where you find, you know, your own personal, like line in the sand for what you can and cannot sell. Um, but yeah, I, I think if it preserves the historical record, then it's worth saving. Like, I don't think there's anybody out there who's actively advocating to, you know, burn letters from you know, terrible people in history because they did terrible things. I think that in it, you know, in and of itself is like more a bad thing than, you know, taking down the, um, the statute, which is, you know, kind of a different argument. So, yeah, I think it's a really complicated topic. And it, certainly I'm always open to hearing other people's, you know, views on it. Like, I, you know, I've never, I've never shied away from, um, you know, listening to someone else's opinion, but I think from my perspective, what we're doing is more about preserving sort of the, yeah, history, history of the pieces and, you know, sort of how they tie into our history. I mean, every letter and you'll, I don't think anybody would be able to convince me that every letter is like important and part of the historical account of these people, whether that be, you know, a Confederate, um, a Nazi, it's like, you know, you, you would never want to get rid of the historical record from my view. I think doing that is kind of, um, you know, washing away the history of, what happened so i yeah i think it's a really dangerous thing if someone were to advocate for getting rid of you know the historical record or something like that um yeah so and with thomas like yeah certainly i know plenty of people uh who collect because you know i, I work in the business i know people who collect nazi memorabilia um you know i think they, yeah again i think they do it for for the right reasons i think all the reasons i've heard are usually like preserve the historical record um, yeah, and I, you know, certainly in no way do I sympathize with like the Nazis or anything like that. But again, I, yeah, I would just like to really hammer home that I think it's important, um, to preserve the historical record because without it, you know, it gets very easy to mix up history. And like one of the reasons we know the Holocaust happened is because there are all these documents out there that basically make it undeniable. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's important that people collect, you know, these documents and things like that, because otherwise, like you can't expect, um, you can't expect private institutions to hold all the important documents. Um, it'd be far too expensive. So yeah, I think in the hands of collectors, it's uh, it's sort of like a secondary way to do that. I love the Robert Kennedy bracelet too that you brought up just because I think, you know, it tells the story of that night. Um, and without it, like, you know, if there was no value in selling it for that, for the gentleman who sold it to us, um, that part of the record would never have been preserved. But luckily, you know, he came to us uh or it was it was brought to our attention that it was going to auction um and we bought it and we still have it in our inventory and like ebay won't let us list it 
but you know for me it's more important you know to have it and know that the history is safe like that history for you know is locked away in a safe and it's never going to be destroyed or going anywhere uh, and that makes me feel good because you know obviously the assassination of robert kennedy is a horrific you know event but it's you know we in that sense yeah we preserve the historical account of it and there's you know a real item that tells the story of that tragedy have you held it like in your hand yeah of course i mean yeah we had to photograph it and stuff like that so yeah i've, I've held it in my hands it's a powerful thing to hold in your hands yeah mm. uh and i think a lot of items kind of work like that you know like i, I can't tell you how many times i put a signature from john hancock in someone's hands and it just brings you know a smile to their face like to connect with that piece of history or in the case of the robert f kennedy bracelet like it kind of makes you shake thinking like you know what a what a night that came from and, and how that plays into the story of america which is often complicated um so yeah i think you know those yeah all pieces like kind of are important to like preserve i yeah i don't think anybody could ever advocate to get rid of them I think it's interesting you're talking about preserving the historical record because, I mean, like, even with me advocating for statues coming down, I've never wanted to destroy the history of it. I just want to talk about the right. way we celebrate it and mark it. And I think there's a difference between, as you said, that kind of celebration versus the the demarcation of, of all of it and to know that, that it's there. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're doomed to repeat it kind of thing. Um <laughs> And we see yeah. that happening in our own country now in some ways. I want to move on, though, because you, you you seem to have a, a certain fascination with uh, Queen Elizabeth II, um, who, who yep. uh, I'm a big fan, too, a fan of her monarchy and her reign. Uh, her, you know, there's so it's intricacy. It's palace intrigue. Right. But it's also this woman paying faithful devotion to her country uh, her entire life. It was like she was meant she was meant for for what she did. Um, it, it seems online you have signature studies and have closely uh, looked at her signature. Why her? Why why her signature? And and, and what brought you to her? Um, uh, that's a great question, Rob. Like, like you know, and really intelligent that you know you're able to look at the site and pick that out. Um, I think for me, one of the things I saw when I because I love collecting and yeah, oftentimes like I watched The Crown and then I got really drawn into Elizabeth and I thought I started reading on you know her story. Um, but one of the things that happened that I, you know, I came to notice is all of these, you know, auto pen signatures and printed signatures, which are not hand signed. Auto pen is machine signed, uh, obviously printed or stamped is also not authentic. A lot of them were being sold as original autographs of Elizabeth. Um, and for collectors, this is, you know, very bad. It's not a good thing. You know, you have people paying thousands of dollars for something that's not legitimately signed by Elizabeth, but is legitimately signed. So, yeah, I spent you know, probably, um, <laughs> probably uh, a couple months of my life last year, really researching and making sure I was covering all my bases. Because when I go to sell something, I think it's so important for me that I feel really comfortable, not only that I think it's authentic, but the authenticators think it's authentic. Um, and sometimes you need to, especially when it's someone who is um, obviously Elizabeth passed um, rather recently, but while she was living, it's hard to pick up on all the auto pen patterns because they're still coming out. Um, but yeah, so for us, like identifying those auto pen patterns and, you know, identifying the printed signatures is sort of a way to, you know, make the market a little safer for everybody else and ourselves. Like I wanted to know what, what looks like authentic signatures. Like when did she stop signing her Christmas cards? And I think the answer is like 1961, um, because, you know, she up until, which is really impressive up until 1961, Elizabeth hand signed like Christmas cards every year, hundreds of Christmas cards. 
Um, and I think that is, you know, it, it's such a, a feat to do. Like I couldn't imagine doing that. Um, and you know, for years, years. Um, and so there are authentic signatures out there, but after that, obviously, you know, with the advent of the auto pen, Elizabeth moves away from it and, you know, the hand signed Christmas cards dwindle to, you know, maybe a couple dozen I've seen every year. And most of them are to immediate family members and stuff like that. So, yeah, but I think Elizabeth is just such a, you know, I work, I've worked in, um, you know, a couple like charitable organizations and things like that. And I think Elizabeth is just such like a, such a figure, you know, she was so giving to her people and, and to the, her country. Yeah. I was just incredibly interested by her story. And, um, and yeah, oftentimes like in the hobby, I like to give back where I can. And so, yeah, that study is like completely free on my website. I think it's so important to like disseminate that information for free. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it, I know authenticators use it now. I know a couple of uh, companies who are using that study uh, and it feels good. It feels good. And uh, I'm, I'm ha really happy to know that people are, you know, buying the authentic thing now rather than the, the fake. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, I think, yeah, Elizabeth is a, an important person in history. And I think often, especially with her signature misunderstood. So I was glad I could like make the clarification there. I think that, I mean, you always want to contribute to the field in which you are part, right? Like, I mean, you're in this now. I mean, whether you like it or not, you'll always be forever associated in some small way um, because of the contributions you've made to the field, um, which is really interesting to me, too, because it's, uh, you know, again, back to the young thing. It's just amazing, the contributions and the, the collection that you have. Uh, tell me about the favorite piece that you currently have in your collection. Um, and it can be a piece that's your personal collection, like you keep to the side for yourself or a piece you're trying mm -hmm. to sell. Doesn't matter to me. I just want to hear about what you're interested in right now. Uh, I, you know, I would say Lamez Rob is certainly up there. I mean, it's Victor Hugo's handwritten draft of several pages from Lamez. Um, and so to own, you know, a draft of one of the greatest novels, arguably of all time, uh, is really incredible. And it's such a such an amazing piece of history. Um, but we've had pieces I've loved and that's like kind of the uncomfortable part of being a dealer is you have to part with everything you love. Um, and I can think of like, we had Mozart at one point, which is, yeah, just, you know, it's, it's one of those autographs that someone had to pry out of my hands. Um, I, and like, I also like taking on the challenging pieces. Like some of the pieces I remember and love the most are sort of really out there. We had a, we had a horse. Um, not living, uh, luckily, because I would not be very good at taking care of it. Uh, but we had a, a, a the bones of a horse from Little Bighorn, and we paid thousands of dollars to get the bones. And I just remember having to have them uh, because I thought they were so great. And I think the interesting part of that is how do you take this piece that is really like who wants bones from a, a horse at the Battle of Little Bighorn, you know? And how do you market that and sell that? And we did. So I think for me, like. Um, yeah, I love some of the pieces that like are the challenge and are, you know, take some ingenuity in marketing and selling. Um, but yeah, I think the Les Mis Rob piece for me stands out. We have, this is another one, like another highlight in our collection and one that I think like, I think autographs in general are like criminally undervalued. Um, I think if you told someone like, what do you think Abraham Lincoln's signature is worth? They would usually, my answer that I get is, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And the answer is that's not close at all. Like you can get a signature of Abraham Lincoln for like eight grand. Um, but anyway, back to a really important historical piece to my collection. We have um, a copy of Life magazine, but inside reprinted is Kennedy's inauguration speech. 
um, and signed on the cover of that speech is um, is Kennedy's signature. But what makes it like so already it's a special piece. There are very, very few pieces like that. What makes it extremely special, though, is that it's signed two days before uh, he left for Dallas, uh, where he was assassinated. So it's Kennedy essentially signing like his in, one of his most enduring legacies as president, giving that speech. Um, two days before, you know, his, his life was abruptly ended. Um, and how we know it was signed is like we have all the invitations. It was signed for the son of a uh, Supreme Court justice. But it comes with the invitations um, from that night where and even a little note from Kennedy where it says, you know, can you please see me early 15 minutes before um, 15 minutes before the reception? Because they had like a, a judicial reception going on, you know, two nights before Kennedy was assassinated at the White House or uh, not. Yeah. So it's uh yeah, I think there are like so many great pieces. I could go on for ages. I think every piece we have is great. Um and yeah, I kind of love uh telling the story. I think like um not to not to get too ver yeah, verbose here, but I think like one of the amazing things about these pieces is how you can tie in telling the story of a person or, you know, even an event in their life with a piece. Um, and so I think as in what really interests me as an autograph dealer is when I get a piece, sometimes, you know, we get letters without translation. Um, and so you get to discover some really amazing history. Um, but you also get to tell someone's story. And I think that is like when I'm getting pieces in, I, that's what I love doing. I love getting these pieces and kind of um, I love how they tell someone's story and how we get to, you know, sort of craft, um, you know, how to like appropriately tell that story. And um, yeah, I mean, we have great, I, I remember you messaged me about the Challenger set originally. Um, that was another piece where it's just like, I'll never probably see that again. Um, but just the story it told, and that was one that would, you know, make you shake. Uh, for, for those of you who don't know, I guess I should uh, kind of clarify. We had a piece um, that was signed by the crew of STS-51L, which is the Challenger disaster. They pre-signed a bunch of photos before launch. Um, and by a bunch, I mean like, I want to say, I think the estimate was like a hundred photos or something like that. Um, so they're very hard to get, but we had one and uh, that was something we sold too. Um, and I think we sold it in like three minutes. Uh, you know, usually when we put stuff up, it comes, it comes down pretty quickly. Um, so well, well, what that... fascinated me about that piece so much, I mean, obviously I, <laughs> I wasn't in the position to afford it that day, but what fascinated me about that piece so much is you could tell the history in it. And I think that's what I love about it. That's why I love collecting autographs is there's that proximity there too. I mean, you're close in some, in some, you know, it may be a weird fashion, but you feel that, that, that again, that you're, you're, you're there, not, not physically, but you feel their signatures across the page. You can look at them and you can examine them. You can think about what they were thinking as they were signing those paper, those photos or, or whatever the piece may be. It connects you to a point in history and a point in time that not everybody um, witnessed in the same way. Um, you know, it's one of those things. Um, I had the opportunity to take my daughters to visit Vice President Harris uh, a little while back, and she signed a photo. Uh, and it was just, it, you know, regardless of your politics or whatever, it was just nice to see that connection point in history. I mean, the first black female president in the United States, first female president in the United States. Uh, you know, all that is just incredible history. And that's what I love about your site. That's what I love. That's why I wanted to talk to you on my podcast is I love talking to interesting people. And your site is so interesting because you have everybody. Um, you know, I saw a Steve Jobs thing, which is way out of my price range. 
but um, I'm sure it will make someone very happy kind of thing. And that's what matters, right? It's like you're, you're, you're helping to, you, you said something earlier that really struck me. You were talking about the smile on people's faces. And I've seen that smile, like if I could point a mirror up to my face when I pick up an autograph or something that I'm really fascinated with, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's just a little smirk, like you're holding history there. And it's really, really amazing. So. Yeah, yeah, I think, and well, and you bring up a great point, which is, um, and one I didn't even really bring up, um, you know, people love co like collecting for many reasons. I know people who collect as like a part of their investment portfolio. Um, and I know people who collect for fun. And I would say 90% of collectors probably fall under the latter, which is like, I collect for fun. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it's just like, you get to touch history that um, like a John Hancock signature, you know, that's, you know, it's his signature is on the Declaration of Independence. It ties into American history in a way like nobody else does. Um, like when you see John Hancock's signature, it's it's ubiquitous. You know what it means. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think, you know, collecting for me is like, obviously, it's my job. Like, I, I can't deny that. But, you know, like I said, parting with every piece is so painful it always is and i think you know you mentioned the jobs autograph and that for me is like i i you know it's funny like sometimes some of the smaller autographs i've gotten mean the most like enjoyment to me i had a client gift me a book uh from george w bush uh, but signed to me and uh that's one that i'll never sell and that's one that's in my collection and that i love um and it's you know because it's a personal you know connection to to history um, and it's probably, so, yeah, think, as you said, it's inscribed to you, which I've, I've learned is not the best for selling, but oh, that's okay. Uh, depending yeah, on the autograph. Yeah. So, but. And that's, yeah, that's another thing that's really interesting on like how it works is, you know, there's so many collector preferences. Like I would have never thought going into this that people would, you know, care about whether or not, you know, something is signed to someone, but yeah, a lot of collectors do. And there's, you know, a lot of weird quirks uh, and stuff like that. And um, so, yeah, if anybody, you know, sort of has any questions about that, I would, you know, I love talking, talking the hobby. And uh, yeah, I would certainly encourage anybody who like has questions about it. Uh, definitely to reach out. Uh, certainly because it's like, I love talking, I love talking autographs and there's a lot of intricacies within the hobby that, um, yeah, I don't think are like immediately obvious. That's one that, you know, I it took a while for me to learn. I was like, why aren't people buying my pieces? And it turns out like it's a smaller collector market when you have something that's inscribed to someone. So Ryan, let me ask you this. You know, you've talked about this as a hobby, right? Like, for you and mm -hmm. for others so you've made it a business um you're at Sutton Hall now in New Jersey a, a great school um, I'm curious do you anticipate um like this being your career like is this going to be what you do for the rest of your life or will this be a side hustle kind of thing um because it's I mean it's obvious you love what you do and I hope you're able to do what you love kind of thing right um so I'm curious so what's next for you in that regard yeah, I mean, I have a, yeah, like I said, I'll, I think I'll have, uh, hopefully, if everything goes well this semester, I'll have a degree in uh, finance and economics from Seton Hall. Um, but yeah, for me, uh, I want to stay in the hobby. I love the hobby. Uh, I love doing it. Uh, and I don't plan on leaving so long as people will have me, you know, like if I if I have good clients, uh, which I do, and I'm very incredibly lucky to have people like you who are um just i mean rob one of the best things about you is you know how well you highlight like someone's strengths and things like that uh and you know yeah i think like that makes you a great podcast host and um just a great person in general um yeah and so for me it's like it's so rewarding to do it i love doing it and i think you know my clients you know certainly um you know enjoy being able to come to my collection when they need something or come to me for help uh and so yeah 
I really like being able to help the hobby and stuff like that. So I don't think there's anything I could, Im I could imagine doing anything I'd love more. Um, so for me to leave, I think would be a huge mistake. I was actually in college of Charleston originally in South Carolina. Uh, and I left the business. I thought maybe this business isn't for me. Uh, and I spent about one semester before I realized I had made a huge mistake. Uh, and that's when I transferred, yeah, transferred to Seton Hall. And uh, so I could be closer to the business. So uh, yeah, I think for me, like the thought of leaving, I've tried it. It's a It's impossible. I cannot leave. That's a good thing. I think you 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 have the right answer there, at least in my humble opinion. Uh, knowing you as cursory as I do, but knowing you well enough to know where you're passionate about. Listen, uh, on this podcast this season, we're giving people the opportunity uh, to give a shout out, and I want you to do this. I want you to bear with me and 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 mm -hmm. take this experiment to heart. Uh, who is someone you appreciate? Um, but don't often get to tell that you appreciate them. Give them a shout out right now. Mm. That, yeah, I would say, especially in this context, there are many people that come to mind. I owe my success to so many people. Um, and I think that's so true for everybody else is like, you know, you, you often, um, it's, it's not easy to always highlight everybody who's got you to where you are. I would say my parents, uh, certainly like, I, you know, I am not the most, um, you know, like uh, emotionally rewarding person to be around, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, my parents have really like my mom, my dad, they let me for so many years use the house to like store all my autographs and stuff like that. Um, and they were always so supportive. Um, you know, I don't think my parents ever once were like, don't don't do this. You know, they always told me like, you can you, you can go and do this like you can do it if you want. Um, and so, yeah, I think. Uh, my mom for putting up with like hearing me and my dad talk about autographs all the time because he is, uh, you know, he's now involved with the business. And um, yeah, so I like I think, yeah, my mom and my dad, because, you know, they they really set me up in a way. Um, so, yeah, I think I owe most of my success to them because uh, without them, I just couldn't imagine it. So, yeah, uh, I love them very, very much. Uh, and I yeah, like I said, maybe I don't often say it well enough now that, you know, I'm, I'm expanding upon this answer but yeah i love them so much and i think yeah without them it just wouldn't be the same so i yeah like i said i'm incredibly grateful for them and a huge huge shout out to them um and thank you for always supporting me i know it's probably not even been easy um but yeah i i yeah just from the bottom of my heart i appreciate it ryan farley we will link all your uh socials and your website on our, our, our podcast notes so that people can find you uh thank you so much for coming on beloved journal Thank you for having me, Rob. It's been it's been a, such a pleasure. And uh, yeah, I hope I hope we can talk again soon because this was fun. Beloved Journal is a podcast on a mission. Check out our other episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Today's podcast was hosted by the Reverend Rob Lee. Find him on Twitter at Rob Lee 4 or on Instagram at Rev Rob Lee. You can find our social media on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter by searching for Beloved Journal and finding our logo. Beloved Journal's theme music is a cover of the Golden Girls theme song done by Mipsa. Seriously, they're the best band in the world. This podcast was the dream of Stephanie Lee and was produced by Maggie the Golden Doodle and Frank the Poodle. Go show the world that it's worth fighting for. And as always, thanks for listening.